And welcome to episode 38 of the Brood Sages, Stormbound players with a head for the game. I am Freeloader. With me, as always, is Sibaiku. Sibaiku, how's it going tonight? Fantastic. We are also joined, I am happy to say, by a guest host tonight, the one, the only, the second or third time you've been on this show now, Thomas. This has been the uh, second now. Are we sure about that? We need we need somebody to go through the the logs and check and make sure. Well, welcome back, sir. It is great to have you. <laughs> Thanks so much. Thanks for having me on. We are the Brood Sages, easily the second best Stormbound related podcast in production. And as a reminder, you can always follow us at Brood Sages on Twitter. Or for all of you who've always thought that sailing takes you away to a place you've always dreamed it could be, our email address is thebroodsages at gmail.com. So guys, uh, normally we have all kinds of news, uh, community events, uh, which are all going on still. But the reason for this episode is quite possibly one of the most influential patch notes to ever drop, certainly during Sabaiku and Mai's time, I'm going to say. I'm not sure if Sabaiku would agree with me, Sabaiku. Feels like this is maybe the biggest set of patch notes we've had since the introduction of the brawl in the first place. I think that's true. And and I feel, yeah, this, this just feels like it's a seismic shift in the game. Uh, so we asked Thomas if he would like to come on in and uh, throw an actually educated opinion <laughs> to go <laughs> along with ours. <laughs> uh, right. and, and that's what we're going to do. We're going to dive right in, guys. So first up... Uh, the uh, new balance changes are coming up. Uh, Temple of Life is getting a pretty big rework. Uh, Sebeko, you want to walk us through this? Yeah, the Temple of Life is going to consider now all friendly units instead of just surrounding units. So removing that positional constraint. Which is but good. it will affect fewer units at all levels. Instead of maxing out at six units, it'll max out at three units. Uh, it also now will attempt to spawn a one-strength copy of itself on the tile behind and its strength is down from three four five six seven to two three four five six at all levels so hmm. this is now a structure that is in line with the hearth in terms of mana cost and strength the effect is very very different now um it still vitalizes units it'll vitalize anything on the board so that's nice that you no longer have to position around the tower the copy that it spawns behind is the really the interesting mechanic here the first time we've seen a structure replicating itself mm -hmm, mm -hmm. yeah thomas what do you think of the sort of spawn effect here for for a structure to a structure so that one is really interesting. Um, someone had asked it on the Discord, and I wasn't able to be on very much this afternoon, but someone had asked if uh, that front one creates a copy uh, behind itself. Technically, like the order of operation should be that the one behind then has the ability to create a copy. Oh, that's So right. on and so forth. I, I don't know if you guys were on very much this afternoon to be able to see what the answer to that was. I but... believe the answer there was that it, it will not replicate multiple okay. times. Okay, thank turn. goodness. <laughs> so it's not clogging up your board on you. That's right. For those of you who don't understand uh, what we're talking about, uh, at the beginning of your turn, if you haven't noticed, because you don't have a ton of structures, there's actually an order to uh, the activation of the structures at the start of the turn. So it starts in the uppermost leftmost cell that there's a structure and it works left to right and then down. 
So Thomas is absolutely right. If you place this in like the third row, then the spawn that it creates in the second row should then activate itself. <laughs> Thanks. Just keep growing. <laughs> I know. It's like you place it once, it lives, and it creates roots all the way back to your base. Okay. So so it is good that it doesn't do that. It does make mm -hmm. it slightly less absolutely ridiculous. So, so in my opinion, that's a good thing. <laughs> This, this kind of feels like, um, hey, we're looking to incentivize Siege Breakers to find a, a, a meta spot again, doesn't it? <laughs> yep. Well, I, I don't know that that's enough to make this temple see widespread play here. It's, it's an interesting effect. Like, it's really cute. I really like it. Um, but Vitalize, like we talked about previously, just is not that important. Now, we've also talked in the past many times about how having a position uh, constraint on cards kind of makes them very difficult to use mm -hmm. without that now you can just vitalize anything on the board that's really cool i don't know if it's as good as just giving a uh a raw four strength to something like the hearth does well remember though that you and you've pointed out this and I, i'm a big believer that you're correct sabaiku uh this has a much more amplified impact at low levels because when your gifted recruits is one health to begin with giving it vitalize doubles its health right like that's a that's a big change versus you know at level five up in, in platinum or diamond or in the heroes league that's less of a thing to worry about so i do feel like this is made more for and and Catloader agrees. It's made more for maybe <laughs> silver uh, and gold levels, at which point I look at this and think, this is a lot better for them, no? So it's still going to struggle a little bit. Um, I, I for sure think that it's still not going to do anything for um, Heroes League stuff, just because of the fact that once one of your units vitalized, it can't be vitalized twice. So four is going to be way better than, than one or two that you're mm -hmm. going to get. Um, but then even at low levels, I'm, I'm starting to play equals finally, or have been for a couple months now. And, um, when we're doing, man, there's so many different types. I think it's faction heroes. Mm -hmm. And, uh, in, in that one, uh, you're, you're playing winter and you're playing against winter. Apologies to all the equals players. If I'm, if I'm calling it the <laughs> incorrect one, <laughs> but one of my opponents was playing, uh, with temple of life and I was playing with the hearth. And my deck, even though almost every other card in our deck was just mirror match, uh, I just ran over my opponent because of the, I mean, uh, granted again, that this was still during the, uh, um, this entire situational effect of surrounding, but overall, just the, the power level that the hearth gives in comparison to temple of life. I don't think that the, uh, this change is going to have enough that the hearth just gives too much more um, power than the temple of life does yeah i i wish i could disagree with that but i think you're right i will say there's one other consideration though i've been playing a lot of uh winter rush with hearth guards this month mm -hmm. and if you can get a temple of life that spawns behind it now it makes it much more likely that my hearth guards have something to trigger off of uh and that oh. that might make just that might make this worth running 
that's interesting. I was thinking of it more in terms of a defensive thing where it just clogs up the board and like rain of frogs. Like I use rain of frogs all the time as a look, I'm throwing everything offensive and then I'm just going to play rain and hope that clogs the board so your runners can't get to my face kind of a thing. And I feel like this can kind of do some of that, right? I place it where it's most advantageous for me. And then all the spawns are just basically getting in the way of their runners should they ever show up. But I haven't thought about it with hearth guards. I like this. Yeah, I think, you know, uh, Thomas the Train there alluded to the most important point. Vitalize doesn't stack. So having a one strength copy of itself, right? Having two Temple of Lights on the board just kind of, for the most part, doesn't matter. Yeah, You're not well, seeing a benefit out of that second one. Whereas, you know, if the hearth expanded behind itself in the same way, I would play it 100%. I feel like at this point, we are almost... I feel like Vitalize has the first couple of pieces, right? We've got the the Venomfall Spire, if you will. Um, we've got Zuri uh, and Pog. And I kind of feel like what we're missing are the synergistic cards. We, we're missing the Amber Hides or the Marked as Prey, right? Like we're, we're missing that other part of it that takes right. advantage. Kind of like a, a Kindred's Grace that uh, gives all Vitalized units a strength buff or something. Oh, that would be gorgeous. Thing. Yeah, I agree. There's got to be something else to take advantage of the Vitalize because Vitalize in and of itself doesn't, doesn't seem to be doing quite enough. Right. Yeah, exactly. But but if your units were Vitalized and you had some sort of payoff card, that would make the spawn so much more relevant because holy smokes, even if I get re- even if I execute the main tree, <laughs> I still have to get rid of all the roots. Otherwise, the payoff card is still active, right? Hmm. For now, let's move on from Temple of Life to uh, Temple of the Mind. And uh, Thomas, why don't you walk us through this one? Oh boy. All right. So the ability still triggers at the start of the turn, uh, but now grants or removes if already present fixedly forward movement to the leftmost unit in the hand then destroys the weakest confused unit on the board so um clarification there does anybody know it no longer says uh and i assume this is just a typo in the patch notes it no longer says friendly confused units the card text on kitty also no longer says friendly confused unit so it is quite possible that you could combo this with fluffy or sweet cap no because after they get confused uh they will uh uh, move incorrectly at the start of your opponent's turn oh good point and they'll never still be confused at the start of your turn correct so i guess it doesn't matter until they create some sort of on death confuse enemy units kind of card uh the only cards that could be confused at the start of your turn are yours so i guess it's not it's not relevant but it's just interesting to point out yeah so one of the other things to point out with this card um after thinking about it so you can only move your cards around in your hand on your turn Mm -hmm. i I don't know if you guys have ever played around with it you can't do it on your opponent's turn so if you're going to try and take advantage of this ability after you play your tempo your mind of the mind you have to move the card that you want to have fixedly forward or or remove it to the leftmost hand before you hit end turn and i could see a lot of people myself included making that mistake and turn and then oops. Wait, no, no. even worse after you give it fixedly forward you forget to move it out of that spot on oh, your no. left hand side and then it takes it away oh, no. 
Exactly. So, yeah. so yeah, just something to just pay attention to because I, I 100% think I will do that many times over the course of playing with this card. <laughs> I, I really like that you now can control what gets it. Absolutely. Yeah, and that's really, I think, what was missing from the previous version is just a degree of control over the outcome. Mm-hmm. Yep, this has that. You know, look to your point, Thomas, you can't shuffle your cards around in your hand during your opponent's turn. So if you play all four cards from your hand and one of them is the temple or the temple is already on the board, then it's going to be random for you. But other than that, as long as you're keeping something in your hand, you can control what that is. You can give it fixedly forward. You can make sure it's your hearth guards or your grim couriers or whatever. Um, still non-legendary, right? Oh, I think it is still non-legendary. I'm no, it doesn't say that. that. Yeah, that's. Oh my gosh! Ooh. Oh dear! They just gave it legendary status. Oh, <laughs> dear indeed! <laughs> Holy smokes, that is spicy! I literally just saw that right now for the first time. <laughs> okay, so so perhaps Siren of the Seas, which would really change around the length of some of these <laughs> some of these heroes league games yeah that Ooh. game lasted uh you know eight instead of 18 minutes uh, temple uh, of mine just went up in my status Ooh, baby it did see this is the thing that i like about this um sabaki and i very early on we we did a, a an episode on towers and what we basically said is that they are a loss of tempo. They are an investment in future turns, right? You're, you're basically, you're, you're killing that much mana off this turn for effectively no impact on the board mm-hmm. with the hope of future turns. So, you know, it returns on, on future turns. Uh, and it's a question to query your opponent. Are you going to remove this or are you going to let me get the value out of it? Temple of the Mind before this change was like, I don't really care if you put it down. It's a one in four that you even get what you're hoping to get out of it, right? Now it's a legitimate threat. Now it's something that has to be considered by your opponent when you play it. It's a, it's, I mean, as it's close not, to a yeah. guarantee as you can it, hope. It's not an automatic removal, but it is a legitimate question. Do Correct. I want to remove this or should I let him get the benefit that he's looking for? Well, no, it, it is just straight up now a threat because any, your, most opponents are going to move any of the their two movement cards to the left hand side oh, well it's because those things that. already don't have a great um value for how, the, for the how much of a cons- how much of a concern that is to you is in direct proportion to how much you are threatening their baseline well oh, but hold yeah, on a minute true. Be, be, one of the things that i have found to be very difficult about using most three movement cards has just been that there's never a moment where that three movement works where a two movement wouldn't have, right? The the ability to move three rows into a baseline sounds great until you realize the board is never that clear. Ooh, I don't Buddy, know you got to start playing some Swarm. <laughs> yeah. Have, having messed around with the, the uh, deck that I named Thomas the Train because uh, I stole it from you with uh, Grim Couriers and Vindicators and Ubis. Yeah, so I didn't nasty and it it is very (laughs) critical to be able to move three sometimes yep for sure i i got good value out of vindicators but never always because it was you know moving and giving me multiple attacks not because it was like you know a a a deep three ball from center court kind of a thing with the buzzer going out yeah so Um, well i mean for for a lot of those three movements you just pair it with um like a saber pause and mm -hmm. on seven mana you can do seven damage to their base even if you have nothing on board and so 
that's that's a pretty big threat. And then especially with Temple of the Mind, where you can like almost guarantee getting that seven damage in on right. seven mana with zero front is is a little bit more threatening. That's that's a lot more threatening, right? Like I, I think the Temple of the Mind increases the value of three movement cards in the game. Mm-hmm. Now the real question here is does the fixedly forward stay on the card if you cycle it away next turn? Does it currently? I I, I, I don't never actually believe... ended up testing it. Yeah, I don't believe that it does, but I am nowhere near a hundred percent on that one. So far I've been very happy with the way Sheepyard's been con- consistent with the uh a card has memory when it's cycled kind of rule, right? So Ami, for example, I can get it up to a 12-1, I can cycle it, and it shows back up. It's still a 12. Uh, and we'll get to something else a little later. Foreshadow, foreshadow. <laughs> uh, where, where that same rule applies, that cards have memory of their state when they are cycled. And I like that. That that gives the player a lot of flexibility, which I think is is key to the game. Um, so let's hope. Uh, uh, but as soon as it shows up, we'll, we'll certainly test to make sure Sebeke, that's a very good call. Let's move on from Temple of the Mines. Uh, and, and that's it for, for Temple balance changes, both of which I think are positive, right? We, we would call these both buffs. Uh, and Absolutely. Let's take, a, yeah, let's take a look at Queen of the Herds. Who wants this one? Sebaiku, you're up. Let's take Queen of the Herds. All right. This is just a straight strength buff. Mm. Just up to strength at every level. It used to go from 6 to 12, and now it's from 8 to 14. 8 to 14. That sounds familiar. It's a lot of strength. Is it good enough? I'm not really sure, right? Like, the main the main driver behind Queen before was the interaction with Bucks, and you don't get that anymore, but it still puts a lot of stats on the board. You know, you put out your Dread Pond, your Mindless Horde, your Siege Breakers, your Doppelbox, your Pan Heralds, right? Like, it's, it's all good good i just don't know that it's quite enough so the thing that i really liked about queen uh even after the nerf right is that it's targeted draw it is a demonic tutor paired with mana acceleration right i play it and not only do i draw two cards that i didn't have in my hand but then they both get played for free And in a game that's all about cycling, especially cycling to a power card, that seems super powerful. So I haven't understood, like I've gone up against queen decks. Thomas, I'll ask you this. I've gone up against some queen decks and thought, wow, that felt very powerful. And yet they haven't really stuck. Why? What's what's going on? Without having movement, they end up just get losing anyway. Um, and most of these other decks just have uh, like the, the Siren of the Seas types of effects where it's, yeah, that's cute. Well, I win anyway. And, and, and that's just kind of, that's really what's happening. And that's the reason why Queen hasn't stuck. Um, but... Up in the upper leagues right now, there's a massive battle for kind of these mid-rangey types of decks, and it it won't take a whole lot for Queen to become kind of like just another big powerhouse of mid-rangey. So I I do think that Sheepyard has to kind of uh, play this fine line with Queen. They they definitely can't bring her back down to six mana, even if they were to reduce her strength because of the total overall value that she'd put on the board, but. Um, going up to 14 strength is going to be kind of the same issue as as when she was at 12 strength well but but it's not just it's not just the value she puts on the board right to i mean to your point let's talk about siren of the seas if siren of the seas is your finisher in winter you usually want to play something like gift of the wise and freebooters so that you can cycle faster so that even if you 
can't kill your opponent the first time with Siren, let's say you're both running Siren, you get to basically draw two extra cards every couple of turns in an accelerated way to get back to Siren, correct? Mm -hmm. Queen does the same thing. I play Siren this turn. It deals half the damage. The following turn, I play Queen. Not only do I get to play Queen, she then draws me two cards, sticks them on the bottom of the deck with her, right? I've just accelerated my way to Siren of the Seas just as much as Freebooters would have done. Yeah, but the difference there is that Gift in Freebooters gives you extra mana to work with to play cards, get them out of your hand. So you're cycling even more than just the two cards that you're drawing right. because you're cycling right. all the cards mm -hmm. that you're playing. Mm -hmm. Also, Freebooters put, put five strength on the board and then lets you structure everything else the way that you want. Yep. Queen plays satyrs randomly in the row, and that tends to clog your front line so that even if you draw Siren again the very next turn, you've got nowhere to play it. Yep. And you can't and, play Toxac. And then also, super importantly to the next like two points is... Like with the free birders play, um, generally you've got cards that have movement to help kind of reset your opponent's front to to make sure that you've got some breathing room as the game continues on. Mm -hmm. Whereas obviously Queen and everything that she's going to draw that has any good value just doesn't have any movement. So whatever your opponent was already doing, they're going to continue being able to enact their game plan. Uh, to the second point, Loris. Loris will just absolutely annihilate anything that Queen brings out. And that, oh, no. I just remembered, is probably the reason why Queen doesn't see any play. So do we feel like at the end of this analysis, I'll ask Sabaiku first. Sabaiku, Queen of her, is she going to show up now? Still a niche card. I don't think this is enough to get more people experimenting with her. Um, okay. You know, it just makes her power level a little better when, when people do experiment. Okay. Mm-hmm. I, I think I can mostly agree with that. It, it could be one of those um, dancing type of situations, whereas Loris goes down and play mm. this uh, queen uh, type of decks might make a little bit of a resurgent, and then Loris comes back in and she yeah. goes back out and vice That's versa. Fair. That's fair, because right now Loris is maybe the most popular five mana card I see, and that, you're right, that does make it very tough to play this deck. But but I'm confused about one one thing you've said here. What would cause Loris's play rate to drop? It's a five mana ten one, even if it gets no value, which is fine. He has been going down a little bit ever since um, the Zuri decks have started losing a little bit of their um, just presence in the uh, the league. So he's okay. starting to be removed a little bit in favor of just uh, a few of the other random things. I've seen Void Surgers a decent amount, and I've seen um, Ubas coming back a little bit. But yeah, then he yeah. always pops right back up. Uh, Loris always pops right back up when whenever pe people start playing Swarm again. Hmm. Okay. All right. Well, let's move on from, from there uh, to, to one of those potential cards that you might uh, want to consider for uh, Loris. Uh, Blood Ministers. Thomas, Blood Ministers is getting a rework a little bit. What's going on? Uh, it's going to be very similar to what just happened for Queen of Herds and um, getting a two strength uh, buff all the way across from three uh, at the minimum to eight at level five, now at um, level one, five strength, and then at the max level, 10 strength. Uh, ability is going to be the exact same. So it's just a straight across the board, a couple extra strength. And I want to point out, this is something that we talked about almost exactly one year ago because the strength was decreased by two in July <laughs> last year. 
So uh, apparently Sheepyard felt like they t- nerfed Bloodminsters out of the game. They wanted to bring it back. Uh, I got to say, I still occasionally do see it. It is still pretty good. Um, I I think I, we'd have to go back and listen to what we said at the time, but I think we both said <laughs> that the nerf was deserved at the time. Uh, so I'm, I'm a little concerned about this one. Really? Okay. Interesting. Thomas? Um, I'm not concerned at all. I don't remember it ever having too much um, presence in the game. Uh, additionally, at that point in time, if we take a look at what Shadowfen used to be, that was probably back when Shadowfen was just crazy, crazy overpowered. I mean, yeah. I'm, I'm oh, sure uh, Harry Chestnuts... I was playing, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure Harry Chestnuts was still ridiculous in the six mana slot, and sure uh, Broodmother was at seven mana at that point in time. So now this just gives it Blood Minister is a slight fighting chance at the six mana slot, in my yes. opinion. I that, never ended I, up playing Blood Misters, but that's my opinion. I, I'm glad you mentioned it because that's where my head went. Was uh, last year Blood Ministers was basically the other six mana card to play with Chestnuts. Uh, now you've got Cordia, and I'm trying to decide. Just you know, sort of in an aggressive deck, I think it, there's no there's no question. Cordia is still better in a just sort of general use for Shadowfen, which one of the two would you rather run? And I'm I'm not even sure after this buff that I wouldn't rather have. Now, granted, Cordia, she's a legendary. The odds of you having both at level at level five means you've got a lot of options in your library, and congrats. Um, but I think my blood ministers would have to be level five before I would pick it over Cordia. Maybe that's fair. No, that that's reasonable. And you know, blood ministers doesn't have movement, so if you are trying to convert some something uh up above the cap then it's just kind of a, a useless card mm-hmm. you know at, at level five it'll convert seven strength at level four it'll convert six strength so there there's some stuff definitely that you see that gets above it uh on the uh, on the other hand also we've been talking about loris already loris is a very good counter to blood ministers you convert something loris attacks oh, no. and <laughs> now it, it goes right back you know right <laughs> <laughs> so so maybe that that will keep it in check maybe i'm just salty because uh i just <laughs> lost to mkm playing this card no <laughs> but i was gonna lose that game anyway it wasn't because he played blood ministers <laughs> see i think there's a lot of cards like that actually that are are cards that you're gonna lose this game anyway but that cards the salt in the wound that gets the ire of the public that gets the, you know, like the player base is like, that's the card that needs to get nerfed. You're like, well, that that card's not actually killing you. It's just, that's the coup d'etat perhaps, but it's not, or the coup coup de gras, right? Uh, But, but you're already dead by that. You know, like if they can afford to play that, then buddy, (laughs) bad news. All right, so I'll ask for a prediction. We've had a very bloodless year. Sabaiku, will there be blood? There will be blood. Thomas, will there be blood? Uh, just to disagree, disagree with uh, Sabaiku, of course not. <laughs> <laughs> no, there will be. There will be for sure. <laughs> there will be blood. You've heard it here, folks. I drink your milkshake. All right, moving on. Rogue Sheep. This is the one that I think has everyone talking. I am so stoked about this. Yeah, uh, I'm glad this... we got to this one half an hour in. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, you don't want to give it to them up front. They'd stop listening. <laughs> At this point, they've all committed. They've listened to 30 minutes. They're going to listen to the next 30, even if they don't give a crap. Suckers. 
Uh, Thomas, I'll let you go. Give us rogue sheep. Oh my gosh. I, I don't even know where to start with this thing. Okay, so now instead of like just doing a little bit of a rework, they straight up just changed the card entirely. It's mm. now down from six mana to four mana. Uh, strength it, at the lower levels, uh, it gets a small buff. So it's now from two, three, four, five, seven, two, three, four, five, six, seven. And then the re- ability has just been straight up thrown into the garbage and restarted. Uh, so now uh, going forward on play, it draws up to one, one, two, two, three card copies from the opponent's hand and reduces the mana cost of these copies by one. Oh dear. Oh dear. That's nuts. All right, so let's think about this. If you get three cards and the mana cost of each of them is reduced by one, then essentially you are paying one mana for a seven strength. Mm-hmm. That's that's good. That feels pretty good. A seven strength without movement. Yes, it is just a cabin girls at four mana, right? But it's, well, at one mana, it's really good though. <laughs> but also what it's doing for you is drawing you extra cards that you can play. So it has late game value. So what you're able to play more cards than your opponent, especially you know because of the mana discount on them. It's, um, yeah, I, I think it's going to be ridiculously good. I, I want to point out to our listeners, um, I foreshadowed this earlier. These card copies can be cycled back you can shuffle them uh, back into your deck without playing them they will remember that they are single use copies and they will remember their mana reduction whenever you finally get around to playing the card it disappears it will not go back into your deck after you've played it once so you get these as a one-time use that might be all you need now there is a confirmed edge case here with ami where it is a one-time use but it will come back to your hand Mm -hmm like Ami normally does. The question there that I asked on Discord, but we don't know the answer to yet, is does the copy keep the mana discount? That would be gross. That would be disgusting, but so much fun. It most likely does, because if I remember Ami's card right, it just returns to your hand. So therefore, if, if they're doing their programming correctly, it's going to come back as two. The other thing I want to point out, because it was in fact one of my favorite frequently asked questions I've ever seen, and I know we're, we're just going through this patch notes for the most part in order, but the fact at the end has just this wonderful question. <laughs> what happens if Rogue Sheep produces a copy of a zero mana token, like from MERS or from Harvester of Souls? And the answer is the card copy would also cost zero mana. There is no such thing as a negative mana cost. <laughs> I just thought that was great as an answer. <laughs> this is... Uh... Guys, this is spicy. This is going to be ridiculous. Um, it's going to be so much fun to play with. And I really, at this point, it's definitely very obvious to me that uh, Sheepyard is using Brawl information to continue uh, with their gameplay. Like the Amalgation uh, Brawl, or however you pronounce that. Mm-hmm. Totally Amalgamation. To Yeah, Amalgamation just totally 100% feels like they were testing what kind of bugs they could run into with uh, Rogue Sheep, and and that is what they were doing. (laughs) That's such a good point. I love that. I mean, you know, maybe not testing, but maybe they uh, developed this interaction in the game, and then they thought, hey, how can we use this other than just on Rogue Sheep, right? (laughs) That's also possible. Uh, I like the conspiracy theory. Conspiracy oh, uh, theory is more fun, yeah. Exactly. <laughs> now, what's 
well actually that might be why we got all three brawls being amalgamation at once because they did want to use do some bug testing there um one thing which freeloader one thing you alluded to earlier is that the new copy that you get costs one mana less but if your opponent plays rogue sheep and that gets discounted cards into their hand and then you play rogue sheep and you copy their cards that are already discounted now you have a two mana less card oh my gosh so I, and a I, zero I, mana wild taper pause or uh you know four mana hearth guard seven mana siren i apologize to anyone who doesn't play hearthstone but this could potentially turn into dragon priest from hearthstone where everyone's playing drac uh, draconid uh, operatives and it's just like i i op your op who ops my op who ops your op it's just back and forth and back and forth the same tokens just everything getting reduced to zero <laughs> That would be amazing, Sulaiku. Now, you uh, also earlier today... (laughs) Amazing, uh, but also terrible. Also terrible, yes. Uh, You mentioned today another change to this card, which isn't apparent from the patch notes. And that is that this is no longer an on-death effect. Yes, this is an on-play effect, as Thomas the Trader said. Ooh, boy. That changes things a lot, doesn't it? It does. So... It it does say uh, its ability is reworked from scratch and activates on play instead of on death in the patch notes. I probably did oh. not read that thoroughly the first time because I was so uh, in- interested in the mechanic. Um, yeah, uh, so that's very important because if it were an on death mechanic still, you would run into situations where your opponent plays around it by just not putting anything large enough on board to actually kill Rogue Sheep. Right. And then you're left playing it out of your hand and your opponent killing it on their turn when you can't get the benefit of the draw. So you definitely need it to be an on-play mechanic in order to draw mana discounted copies. Uh, You could just make it a Shadowfen card and just rely on (laughs) Toxac. Which would be so much fun. Wouldn't it? It's like, hey, I I play this Rogue Sheep card. I play another card from my hand that costs two. And hey... I, I just made room for two cards in my hand, which just magically appeared, and their reduction is two mana. It's like a free talk sack. <gasps> Synergy. <laughs> Unfortunately, we're stuck with all factions being allowed to use it, but I got to say, I think it fits so much better in winter than anything else right now. You know, my, my assumption here is that the mana gain from Gift or frozen core or dawn sparks or javana or whatever will allow you to really take advantage of this in a way that no other faction can so here's the fun part i'm actually going to disagree with you and this time i'm actually going to be serious nice okay let's hear it wait wait, you haven't been (laughs) (laughs) so the the issue with playing this in winter means that if your opponent is also playing this yeah, you, um, you've got your Gift of the Wise that you can uh, take advantage of Mana Acceleration, but then your opponent is getting the same thing, and they're getting a cheaper Gift of the Wise. They're getting more mana out of their Gift of the Wise, and the things that you're getting from them don't have as much of an impact as them getting some crazy Mana Acceleration if they're like Swarm Rush and suddenly getting 14 mana. Uh, you know, As you know, Swarm Rush... Uh, 
when when they can get ridiculous amounts of mana or when it can get late game, they can be rushing across the board in a single turn, even without front line. So somebody like that that suddenly gets uh, some of this kind of mana acceleration can be a, a massive, massive edge to them that you will never otherwise see. Wait, are you proposing playing this in Swarm Rush? Maybe. <laughs> well, all right. I'm going to disagree with you there, Thomas, because oh I think that... In general, those decks are not built to handle the mana acceleration in the same way. In a Swarm Rush, if you give it five, six extra mana on a turn, but at the cost of a card, there's three cards in hand that weren't going to cost that much mana to begin with, right? Those three cards are probably like six mana worth of cards, so the gift is wasted. So your average Swarm Rush deck... um, or not like reckless rush because that one has an extremely low uh mana curve Mm -hmm. but just general swarm rush your average mana cost is still around two and a half to three mana per card so a four card hand is still about 12 mana to play the entire hand on an average turn and so you you still will when one of those cards is gift you're already sacrificing so now you're you're playing eight to ten mana worth of stuff for eight to ten mana right you were playing gift for eight mana but the rest of your hand only costs eight anyway so there's definitely there's definitely decks where it can work but it, it i don't i don't know if that's necessarily it right you have to be able to not only play the rogue sheet but you have to be able to play the rest of your hand first so you can maximize your draw from rogue sheep so you can maximize the mana discount and maximize the tempo that you get right if you're yeah. trying to maximize the tempo and the value that you're getting you need to be able to accelerate your mana so you can play cards play rogue sheep and then play more cards yep this is true but okay, so you still want to do uh, like cause the reason I'm using Swarm Rush is just because mm-hmm. it's going to be the opposite of what most people are going to be trying to do with Rogue Sheep. Yeah, and so no, it's like if you can go to the most extreme on the one situation, then you can pretty much do everything in between. So so if we go back to the Swarm Rush for example, um, and you do like a Gifted Recruits, and then your your Rogue Sheep, you're going to get two draws, and you want to do that like on your six mana turn to hope to get the uh, the gift that's should hopefully be in their hand around their seven or eight mana turn that means that yeah you're going to get potentially their gift and if it's an oaf or a siren that's still going to feel pretty darn good that's fair that's true and we're also discounting the fact that you can cycle that gift away right if your hand is cheap you can cycle gift back into your deck and then you can draw it later when it's more advantageous for you maybe you draw it with rogue sheep or whatever else i mean just think about the fact that you just played rogue sheep and then cycled gift in right afterward right you'll be able to gift and then rogue sheep and then that's kind of like acting like your freebooters there yeah i like it uh, so right so so what i went to um and, and maybe this is just kind of like how how my mind works uh and i admit to being weird but <laughs> what i went to immediately upon reading this card was oh well what are the average cards i'm going to pull right so i think in my mind like an hsreplay.net web page showing me the list of most frequently played cards in the game and most often this is going to give me a gifted recruits <laughs> Right, like, yeah. Can, can we agree on that? Right, like, I'm gonna get a one mana gifted recruits out of this. The most often card I'm going to see. Why? Because it's the most often played card in the game. And a zero mana green prototypes. 
Sure. Which is great as well. Yeah. I'm not I'm not discounting either of those, but I'm not looking at either of those and thinking, boy, I need mana acceleration to help play this stuff. I see this as a wonderful mid-range card because in mid-range, I am trying to produce more value than my control opponent can remove. And at the same time, I'm looking for just as many cheap removal cards, be the my own gifted recruits, my own green prototypes, my own cheap stuff, whatever it is, to just be able to trade and fend off my swarm or other rush opponent, right? Because mid-range is worried about just getting overrun. It needs some cheap cards in there to stop that from happening. This is who wants it. Mid-range wants this card. Sure, I could definitely see that. Uh, put it in a heavy mid-range deck that is trying yes. to outvalue control, but mm -hmm. now this lets it keep up on tempo in a situation where it would otherwise fall behind, right? You play Correct. this on, yep. on six mana, and you just get something cheap you can play with it for free. Yeah, this I, is right. true. Exactly right. The um, real question... I don't, I, do you actually want this to be level five do you even care i look at this and think level four is probably good enough late game you want it to be level five you want that extra sure. card okay so yeah. really if it's going very late yeah game, it, well also let's think about did you play murders on three mana to start the game right like mm -hmm. now you're you're able to just dump a card for hand from hand for zero mana sure. and if you can dump one card for zero mana play one other card and play rogue sheep now your hand is refilled like that that's pretty good so yeah that's what i was starting to wonder is uh, like basically what you're um almost referring to is like uh freebooters and so it's like what i've been wondering is does this just replace freebooters in nope. index or nope. no nope. i think it nope. supplements nope. freebooters yeah for the for for the same so reason that we them? talked about before freebooters accelerate your own cycle and lets you get yes. to the good cards in your deck faster this yes. does the opposite this clogs your deck now it clogs your deck with things that are easy to play but if you're playing like javana and gift of the wise like you don't really have anything in your deck that can take advantage of all that mana later in the game anyway so you want to be able to just dump as many cards as you can you also if... can't play too many cards with a zero movement though you're just just kind of like when we were talking about queen of herds and a lot of other things you've got to have enough cards with movement to be able to yeah. fend off what your opponent yeah. is doing I am playing Freebooters in a control winter deck because I want to find Ulf and Siren. Playing this means the rest of my turn is being played playing cards that don't draw me closer. When I play a card from my deck that's in my hand, it cycles it. In order to do this, this is a value engine, which is great, but it's not. It's only helpful late game when I can already throw out all the cards from my hand and I have mana left over. Yes. Prior to that, I would prefer to throw cards out. If, if my hand is half cards from your deck and half cards from my deck, when I throw the cards out, well, I guess it doesn't totally... Either way, the point I'm trying to make is when I play Freebooters, I remove two cards from my hand. That cycles me too closer to Siren. I play Freebooters. It draws me two more cards, which I can then play. That's fantastic. I'm now four cards closer to Siren. This doesn't do that. I play two from my hand, draws me two closer to Siren. I play this, and then I play these cards out, and that's great. I'm putting more value on the board, but I'm not getting any closer to Siren with these cards. And so in a mid-range deck that cares about value on the board, yes, I want this. Maybe I don't even care about freebooters because this is more value, cheaper mana. Maybe I do because I'm playing Murs to Sabaiku's point. Okay, fine, we play both. But a control deck that's got those one or two finishers, nope, I need those on a regular basis. If I'm playing an Aaron deck, I don't want this, right? 
I want my combo. I want to hit that combo often and hard. This is just kind of a distraction. Yeah, I can definitely agree with that because you would not want Aaron in the deck and you wouldn't want to be playing against it because your opponent only has Aaron that can hit the board and now you're getting uh, Hunter's Vengeance and uh, Bladestorm and you're like, well, yeah, that's great. (laughs) Pour me in a Bladestorm, though. Maybe you'd play that. It's great to get rid of all those Temple of Life roots. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So. No, I, you know, that's fair. Uh, I, I don't know. I, I agree with you on the mid-range use case, though, right? If you can hit, like, on five mana, Icicle Burst, Shivana, Rogue Sheep, and Morris. get... Right? Like, all of a sudden you hit... All of a sudden you hit three extra cards that are all mana discounted. Maybe you play some of them this turn. Maybe you just have to hold on to them for next turn. But next turn, right? You, right you've already played a ton of stats more than your opponent for five mana and then next turn you're playing a ton more stats because you have a bunch of mana discounted stuff from their hand like that it'll feel pretty good Mm -hmm. i want to play this on six as a mid-range deck i'm going to play gifted recruits in this i'm going to draw two cards those two cards maybe it's green prototypes and i can play it for free fantastic maybe it's not maybe it's i don't know let's say loris and their gifted recruits fantastic that right there is five mana to play next turn i'm not drawing two cards now i just got in the way of my own draw but i don't care this is fantastic value i'm gonna spam three cards next turn instead of just two fantastic sign me up yeah no you're right it's fantastic value you're making an investment in your tempo the next turn by by getting mana basically by getting mana acceleration and non-winter classes which I love. I, I love the fact that other classes get to do some mana acceleration in a controlled manner that I don't feel is anywhere near as broken as Gift of the Wise. Yep. Especially, like, you had just, uh, Sabaku mentioned that, like, uh, getting this uh, advantage later on. Even starting on turn six, uh, you can start getting that kind of stuff immediately because even looking at, like, Hunter's Vengeance, if you could get, like, a two... Um, mana cost copy of hunter's vengeance from your opponent's hand you can help reset the board and just kind of keep going until the game can get later for for a lot of value it's true but, i don't know if you remember but two mana hunter's vengeance was a really good broken. <laughs> felt amazing i miss it every day <laughs> but, but but look all of that is true you're gonna feel like you have level five cards from a year ago you're gonna hit toxic sack for one mana reign of frogs for one <laughs> mana right like you're gonna hit these cards and, and you're, you're gonna like, buying it with temple of life that reign of frogs that's the synergy we're looking for but in all seriousness one mana reduction like sheepyard has correctly identified that the one mana reduction for level five cards is insane it is such an unfair way to have to fight a game out when your opponent not only gets to do stronger stuff but do it for less mana no it's true we We've learned definitely over the past year of these tweaks how much one mana really matters. And uh, getting getting cards that are one mana less is very good, but paying four mana up front for it, you got to remember, you are taking that tempo loss like we talked yeah. about with the tower beforehand, right? This is basically playing a tower, right? This is like playing mm-hmm. a frozen core. There, yes. There's disadvantages there. No, no, for sure, I, which I love. I, I, I think the card, believe it or not, I actually think this card is now not only balanced and fair, but will see play. 100%. I rate this card a 8 or a 9 out of 10. I'm not sure which one it is, but it is amazing. It'll go in probably... I, I recommend anyone that has it 
well, if they're decently high uh, ranked enough, if you've got it at level three, jam it in every single deck yes. and find out what combos you can create with it because the things that we've talked about tonight is just scratching the surface. I, there is so much poten- untapped potential that I cannot even fathom. So I need everybody's help to uh, come up with the most absurd things that we can do with this thing and just go hey with, with it. <laughs> no, you, you raise a good point here. Uh, Thomas, you, if it, it costs four mana, just jam it in every deck. It's a neutral card. We have other cards like that, right? Like Siege Breakers, Edric, Beast mm-hmm. of Terror. Uh, there's a lot of competition at that four mana spot for something that you can just kind of make work in any deck. But for testing purposes and for helping me out, figure out how, to, how we can break this. Help me out. <laughs> yeah, put it in all, everything. All, all right. you, <laughs> heard, right. you heard Thomas the Train. Put it in every deck. Record all of your games. Get them on YouTube and ping him for every single one. Please he pro- and thank he you. He promises to watch them all. Look, <laughs> Edric is the same exact card, except it only casts zero mana summon militias. All right, it's the same card, <laughs> but it's good. <laughs> no, I know. I know. I'm just, I'm just saying. I, I understand. Like this, this varies your game. By a lot too right exactly this, this makes this every game spice. fun this makes every game interesting this makes every game feel different right for all of you who enjoy playing edric and getting your free summon militias imagine how you'll feel with free gifted prototypes instead or imagine how you instead. feel copying your opponent's summon militia and p- playing it and for free it for zero i know right you're gonna be like hey it's edric <laughs> All right, we'll close this out with one last note, and that is that even though this is a rework and I think a buff, at the end of the day, this is a better card than Rogue Sheep ever was, uh, Sheepyard has decided that they will be compensating people for the rework, which I applaud because my name is Freeloader for a reason, Uh, but I think this is actually really good. Sabaiku? Yeah, uh, if you have this gold bordered and you haven't upgraded it yet, upgrade it now get your free compensation and then play it anyway because it's going to be a lot of fun it's going to be great and i agree with thomas uh uh, level three or higher it's really about the card draw and mana reduction of those cards more than it is about the stats of the body the body itself is a tempo loss you're going to take the tempo loss regardless right yep okay well from there let's move on because it has been coming and foreshadowed and promised and sabaiku shadowfen finally got its temple the one that i've been waiting for temple in anticipation of time. temple of time it's all about the timing at the end of your turn so poor. <laughs> at the end of your turn remember the state of surrounding friendly units and structures at the start of your turn restore one two two three three of them to that state so this is the temple of time but also a temple of time and space it will move units back to where they were if they were pushed if they're killed it will resurrect them where they once stood as long as the tile on the board is not occupied they'll just come back if it's a six strength unit that takes five damage it comes back to six strength if it's a five strength unit that's killed by an even trade it's back on the board if you have toads all over the board they'll come back at least some of them time space it's all relative sorry i had to do (laughs) 
this is fantastic. This is bizarre. Thomas, I don't even know what to think of this. And that's exactly my opinion as well. I am just going to let all the other people that want to test this thing out test it so that I can just figure out what in the heck is going on with this thing. I literally haven't even tried to understand it because I'm not a Shadowfin player so much, and this is just ridiculous. <laughs> Sabiko, is this meant to pair with hairy chestnuts? This will work great with hairy chestnuts, oh. which will take some damage, which will heal itself up, which will chip down your opponent, and if they can't get rid of it in one turn, it's getting buffed right back up again. Um, this is going to be great with a heavy mid-range deck, you know, uh, maybe the most popular Shadowfen decks out there right now are Bragda decks. So imagine you play, you stick this on the board, and then you play Reign of Frogs and Bragda. Now, if your opponent can't clear out all of that, it's just all coming right back. Well, not all, but 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 some. Um, it is also worth noting, however, if you play a naked rain and this, and then the following turn play Bragda because you finally drew into it, um, yep. one of those tokens gets a little smaller. <laughs> no, this will bring back tokens for Bragda, right? The biggest problem with Bragda decks is that you have to set up the Bragda a lot of the time, or you're stuck controlling the board until you can play Rain and Bragda on the same turn, right? This will just say, oh, yeah, somebody played Beasts of Terror and cleared all of your all of your toads. Well, I'll bring back three of them for you. Wait, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. I play this and Rain on five. My opponent has to either kill the tower or kill all the toads and the tower. <laughs> That's not Which possible. they can't do on six. I know, I guess they can if they're ironclad or shadow fen ironclad or shadow fen but if they're not ironclad or shadow fen right you're they, you're I, giving your opponent a choice kill the structure or kill all or kill all the toads and uh, wait sorry let me try it again if you kill all the toads the structure will bring some of them back so you have to kill the structure but if you kill the structure you're leaving the toads for bragda right so on five mana you're giving your opponent a choice can you clear all of this if not pick what i'm going to do next turn Oh my gosh, this with rain into Bragda, that's a five into six that I would dream of. Let's be clear, even if my opponent plays Beast of Terror and I only get three tokens back plus Bragda the following turn, I'm fine with that. Hey, what if your four mana turn was Azure Hatcher? <laughs> oh, good lord. <laughs> oh, good lord. I know who the oh. Shadow player in this group is. <laughs> uh, oh Oof. Oh my gosh. All right, so this might be my third legendary to level five, just for that. At least it has the same effect at level four, but yeah, the, the problem is, that is, level... is is probably pretty critical. Right. the The problem at level four is that Beasts of Terror and Green Prototypes. If your opponent goes second, they could even use Gifted Recruits. That's rough. Yeah, it's it's a weird mechanic. It's going to be really cool. Um, you know, we've we've talked in the last couple episodes about Arthas's Chunk Beam deck like if you stick this in just a heavy mid-range deck you're gonna mm. you're gonna play cordia you're gonna play this you're gonna play sunbeam you're gonna play flameless lizards like just anything that you play that your opponent can't remove just is a threat this Can you with, imagine play with this flameless. with cordia this with flame this with flameless oh wait, wait, wait with cordia <gasps> it brings back structures your eggs oh, pop Gosh! If it depend, now, obviously, positioning matters here, right? But think about it this way: if your eggs are further ahead on the board, well, no, because the units will spawn, and yeah, but they won't move. But they won't move yet won't move until yet. the temple has mm -hmm. triggered. Oh, so mm -hmm. you can't have mm -hmm. you cannot have infinite eggs, I guess. 
No, you can't have infinite eggs. But but you are really pressuring your opponent to not only clear all the eggs, but then also clear this. That's true. That's a good, you know that's a really good point because you can't have infinite eggs. But if your opponent clear if your opponent doesn't clear the dragons, then the dragons will just keep on healing up and moving. And yeah, that should be okay. I think it would work out just fine. I was just looking at this with flameless lizard, and then imagining you're sitting on sunbeam. Oh yeah, that'll work. Right, like just, I don't know, kill the flameless? Don't kill the flameless. It doesn't matter to me. I'm playing Sunbeam next turn. Oh, Thomas, this has me scared. Yeah, no, you guys are just the worst. Now I have to remove Edric because I have to make space for both uh, the new uh, Rogue Sheep and now obviously Siege Breakers. Siege Breakers, uh, yeah. I <laughs> <laughs> um, The good news for everybody playing this game is that this is a legendary. The number of people who have the resources and the library capable of producing this at a playable level for whatever their library can support, very small. We're or not going to see this. For, for $10, you can buy the new legendary card pack. Well, yes, but that doesn't really get it into a playable state for us. It just right? gets you one copy. Right. I am not advocating you buy the $10 new legendary card pack. I'm glad you're not, but I might anyway because this seems awesome. I've got to tell you, I want to put this in my Make Nuts Great Again deck um, and just make Harry Chestnuts nonstop. I, I, I will play Harry Chestnuts in this. The following turn, I'll play Witches and Toxac, and who cares? Because Harry Chestnuts is just going to keep its Groundhog Day. Now, I want to point out the season reset happens uh, on the first of the month but this card mm -hmm. is not available until the 15th so you got uh three weeks to stockpile as many resources as you can to try to, to try to pack it I, I will endear myself to my wife so that she doesn't mind me spending the money on it because i am rather excited about this card all right, guys, um, that's going to do it for the cards and the card changes uh, from this incredibly uh, 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 large and, and wide in breadth uh, patch notes. Uh, next up, we actually have, Sabaiku, uh, you normally do these, but I'm going to give this one to Thomas uh, because you got to do the new card. Uh, we have some new packs available to us. Thomas, uh, walk us through uh, the new uh, packs. So there's going to be three of them. We've got the Sheepyard pack coming up, the new legendary card, uh, which is Rogue Sheep, and then the uh, other new legendary card, which is the uh, the Temple of Time. So uh, when you take a look at the, uh, the three different ones, I don't really understand why they came up with the pricing structure that they did, to be completely honest. Because if you're going to buy one of them, you obviously just get the Sheepyard pack. The, the one random legendary card, 500 coins, 100 rubies, and 50 fusion stones. Because with the 50 fusion stones, if, if you need the one copy of uh, the Temple of Time that you want, then you use the 30 fusion stones on that, and you still got a random legendary card. Yeah, uh, definitely the most bang for your buck there. But I guess if you've really got to have that copy of Rogue Sheep, it's available for you. I have to mine. I have to admit, mine's gold bordered. I need to pay to level it up to see where I'm at on it before I decide whether or not I need to buy more copies. Well, you need to pay to level it up because you're going to get compensation for it. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Now, there are also uh, new books down later in the patch notes. Uh, Let's jump to that. I think this is a good time to talk yeah. about it. The Book of Magic for 40 rubies contains three spells. The Book of Structure for 40 rubies contains three structures. The book wait, of wait, wait, wait. Explain. Please explain. The Book of Magic. What? What's in them? Three spells with rarity odds of 50% common, 30% rare, 20% epic. 
Wait, so I'm guaranteed spells. If yes. I need spells for my library. This is where you get them. You want a 20% chance Ooh. of getting a specific epic spell. There are only a few. If you really want Gift of the Wise, if you really want Kindred's Grace, it's a way to do it. Nice. Okay, so moving on from their Book of Structures. This is um, this this gives me ravens, right? Three structures with the rarity <laughs> odd being 50, 30, 15, 5, because there are... Uh, as of right now, one legendary structure, soon to soon be to two. Um, so this will give you a 5% chance at a legendary structure. Uh, okay. The Book of Chaos, three cards with the word random or its equivalent in the ability. With, that is so... I'm sorry. With rarity this? odds being 25% common, 25% rare, 25% epic, 25% legendary. Tigor. You're going to get a Tigor. I guess it <laughs> could be an Ubis. Oh, yeah. I forgot about this that. This is so random. Could be a Toad, right? Toad jumps in front of a random opponent. Oh, jeez. Okay, so we've got three. Huh. All right. I thought it was just Tigor. <laughs> um, it, does Murs count? Murs makes a a token of a random, random faction. Amount. Yep. Yep. Could be Murs. Uh, question. Is the Loris attack order it is not random it, it is, is not, not random. random it is oh. defined so we should actually that. go through that right now because i actually just learned on the discord probably like legitimately only a month ago had the thing in level five for the longest time and i always thought that i was just a terrible or very unlucky player and all my opponents were extremely lucky with thoris and didn't understand <laughs> what was going on but yes it is not random all my opponents actually knew about the ability and i did not so the way that Loris works is when you are attacking into the opponent's unit, uh, obviously with that conditional ability of uh, seven strength or less, or is it eight strength or less uh, at level five? Anyway, um, for the opponent's unit, it's the first one that is going to attack into that opponent's unit is the one that is on top. And then after that, it's the unit on uh, that main enemy's unit's left. And then it's the right. Wait, is it my left or the enemy's left? It is going to be your left. Okay, so so top, so, left, right. That's the order. That is correct. It's not random. Therefore, I can't get it from the Book of Chaos, which is the only book I'm ever going to buy again. <laughs> well... Before you commit to that, the new Book of Legends is 120 rubies and contains three legendary cards. That's it. What are the odds that I get a legendary? 100%. May I guess 300%? <laughs> Math is hard. I don't know. <laughs> that is legend. Wait for it. No, it's Scary. just legends. No, nope, just, just legends. legends. <laughs> <laughs> That's insane. Okay, so clearly... Uh, that has to be all of the pack changes then, right? Well, they have brought down the price on some of the existing books. Uh, everything that was 60 rubies is now 40 rubies. There was a book of Arc Dragons that was 120. That's now 90. Brings the price down in line with these new offerings. Uh, on top of that, the uh, the odds of drawing rarities now do include a legendary for the dragons, elders, and pirate books where they didn't used to. Oh, um, okay. Which is was kind of dumb, right? Like you couldn't get a legendary dragon from the Book of Dragons, uh, and the pricing on these was all way too expensive anyway. So I'm glad that they listened to player feedback there, brought the pricing down, made it a little more reasonable. So now, if you're trying to fill out your collection by getting just dragons or just elders, at least it's kind of okay 
I like that I can target, right? Because that's been one of the hardest things in the game. Like I have not been trying to increase my ironclad library because that's just not the faction that I really want to jam right now, right? I want to jam Shadowfen. I want to jam Winter. Those are the two that I'm really working on. Um, I need a dragon legendary, right? I'm working on Giovanna. I, I would like to get Cordia. This makes it easier for me to start picking and choosing what kinds of cards I'm looking for, right? This makes rubies a lot more valuable in the game, don't you think? Absolutely. So even though they're still fairly expensive for what you get, it's um, when you're really trying to complete that last deck that you want to have, um, or that like your main comp, comp- competitive deck you can really target that that one card that is just going to push you to that next level so i've already seen a couple players in the discord saying i'm so happy that you did this now i can buy this specific deck or this specific pack and even the legendary book right like you get three legendaries which is not as good as if you just like two of these is equivalent price to three mythic tomes if you get three mythic tomes you're gonna get probably the same number of legendaries as if you just bought the legendary books but there's a chance that you'll lower roll and if the epics don't mean that much to you if you're really just trying to target the legends it's nice to have that as an option Mm -hmm. yeah there's no reason to ever be mad about more options even if you're you're not currently using them at some point in time you might and it's always nice to have more options no matter what yeah it's it's totally reasonable to think you could hit a point where you have maxed out all of your epics that you value and all the other epics that are out there are just ones you you don't want whether they're in a wrong faction or they're the wrong kind of mechanic or they just don't fit your play style uh, and at that point, mythic packs stop being valuable to you in comparison to the legendary packs, right? All right, so let's move on from there because it turns out that this entire thing has just been the warm up. This is the intro act. Now, I know we're like we're like two hours in, right? What are we in right now? We've now that we've be been in. talking for six hours, let's get to the new game mode. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> let's get to the actual meat and potatoes of this episode. The main act. Here it is, folks. What is going on, Savaiku? What on earth is this? Well, like we talked about last time with the the changes that were teased, Brawl is now kind of like a dungeon run roguelike kind of adventure. You begin yes! you begin your brawl in whatever tier you choose with three full hearts. When you lose a match, you lose a heart. If all the hearts are lost, then you get reset to the beginning of the current milestone. We've seen that mechanic. That mechanic is annoying right now. But in just another couple of days, after every victory, you'll be offered one of two random bonuses. There's a set of nine possible outcomes. We'll talk about them in a minute. Some will give you resources. Some will refill your hearts. Some will give you extra hearts. So you get the ability to keep on progressing and take more losses than you currently would be able to. I know the the three loss reset was terrible. Um, I I certainly played fewer brawls the last couple of weeks as a result of it. Um, and and Sheepguard just flat out admitted on the Discord, hey, we made a mistake. Sorry, we rushed this part of it out. The rest of it got delayed and didn't get out when when we wanted to take advantage of it um but this now lets you win a game pick what you get as a reward you can get additional life you can get additional resources so you say hey you know what i won this game i don't really care about making the next milestone you're offering me fusion stones right now i'm gonna take them 
all, all I can think of in looking at all of this is that this is Stormbound 2.0. This is literally the new way to enjoy the game. This is, this is, I'm going to ladder as a way of accumulating gold so that I can do a deeper dungeon run in the brawl this coming week. I am, I, I'm beyond, I, I actually have to, Thomas, you're going to have to talk right now because I am so excited <laughs> about this. I'm no, just going to blather for an hour and no one wants to hear that. Honestly, I, I could be okay with that too because I'm kind of in the same boat. Um, I had been on strike ever since the three loss thing came out and then as well as with the three heart thing too uh, for brawls because uh, I've just the the three losses was such a mood killer. Even in getting one of those strikes was like, well, no, I, I'm done with brawl. And so... I, I was striking it, and I was being vocal about the strike, and, and I, I'm really, really, really happy with this uh, with this change because I think this 100% makes up for any of the strikes um, that were even put in place. So, like the comparison between previous brawl before the strikes ever got put in place, or the the three losses thing versus now, this is, in my opinion, just a straight up upgrade. Um, because this kind of creates like its own little game mode within the game, you, getting to, to decide um, and just have more decisions on what to do. And especially excited for those fusion stones coming up, which I'm already getting a little bit ahead of myself, but <laughs> this is going to be amazing. <laughs> yeah. So Sabaiku, if I was a player during the Paladin reign of this game, uh, and I think back to my, my ladder experience, right? Mm-hmm. And like, I'm coming back to the game now, and I'm like, oh, okay, so here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to go to Shadowfen because it's busted. I'm going to play that one mana rain. I'm going to play that one mana Toxac. I'm going to play that super powerful Chestnuts. I'm just going to win easy. And then I get onto Ladder. It's not going to look quite right. It's going to look different, right? Sheepyard has changed. What is Heroes League? Like, what is going on here with this whole other thing and these rewards at the end of the it looks different but it doesn't look totally different right like i wouldn't i would i would it would take me a couple of games to kind of figure it out and i'll go oh okay so it's still ironclad got it let's go brawl after this brawl will look totally different now i don't think it's going to be as different as you think um you know, like comparing it to a dungeon run in Hearthstone, it's not quite right because in the dungeon run, you add cards to your deck as you go and you build up your power level as you go. Mm-hmm, Here, mm-hmm. you're basically taking the ability, the abilities kind of break it down into two categories, either, or sorry, the rewards break down into two categories, the ability to go farther and take sure. more losses or the ability to generate more resources. So far. So there's far. always the, the that's right, true. That's true fair maybe a 13th card slot is on the horizon well look i if you want the game to feel different every time you queue up a game if you don't want it to feel like the same game you just played or the last 10 games that you just played right if you want it to feel different you need to start adding in different things that are random that won't stay around and so not everybody can have them so so doing things like this kind of dungeon run here you get a 13th card slot if you want it oh okay i'm glad you want it you get to keep it you get a card that no one else has or that only five percent of the people you know you you see my point Mm -hmm. like you add interest and uniqueness to every match when you create this kind of stuff this is new and fresh every time you press the play button yeah, I will agree with you. Like this, this looks like fun as it is, but the possibilities for where this could go are endless. And you know, maybe in the future, the reward is draw an extra card every turn. Maybe it's all your units have plus one strength. Right? There's a lot of things that they could do with it to make it.
make it feel more powerful and vary the gameplay. Oh my gosh. Like I just, I, I, my eyes are literally welling up as you start throwing out ideas. <laughs> uh, and I'm not saying that each one of those needs to even be incorporated, but I will also say this, not all of those need to be permanently incorporated. What if, the, if this month, all of the extra added bonuses are movement based? Would you like fixedly forward on all your units? Would you like uh, an additional movement, plus one movement to all of your units? Like those kinds of options. Next month, sorry, those are all gone. We're just going to do these other things instead. What's really nice is that long term, this could replace the brawl modifiers, right? We just played constructs have two movement. Like that's that's fine. But what if mm -hmm. instead you were making your way through the brawl and when you got to the fifth milestone, here's your options. Your constructs have two movements. Your dragons have three strength. Your frostlings have extra strength, right? Like you can tailor it to the deck that you're playing or change your deck up to uh, accommodate to the reward that you got. Oh gosh. Like... Sorry, I'm going to be the Debbie Downer there. Think of how overpowered the first person that kind of, that did like their dungeon run in, in the brawl would be uh, getting the, that first modifier. And then from there on out, they're undefeated. So I don't like that idea at all. <laughs> no, I understand. You got you to tweak the matchmaking, right? You have to make sure that that there are caps at, at the really important milestones. That's true. Yep. Who cares? I can add extra hearts. I can heal back up. I take a loss. It's not a big deal. Yeah, no. The, the things that they've already created are absolutely wonderful and well uh, they've been saying in the discord the devs have been saying in the discord for a while that as soon as like we promise as soon as you guys see what we're going to do with this it'll make up for it we promise and it was like it's been like a month month and a half i don't know how much i really trust you i should have trusted them this this is actually legitimately 100 percent worth it in my opinion oh my gosh <laughs> Yeah, we'll my run. name is Freeloader. I'm paying for the premium pass for the next twelve months. I just, I'm, I'm no. just saying. Look, I, you did say you can take the loss. You have the hearts, but that's only part of the story, right? Going deep into the brawl does still take a lot of coins, and that is not as easy to come by. And that's really the limiting factor right now. We'll go through the the breakdown on the uh, victory rewards in a moment. One of them is extra coins, but it's one out of nine. And, yeah. you know, that's that doesn't make up for how much you're spending. So that's still going to really limit your experience here. And that, I think, is a shame because it, it looks like it could turn into a really fun and interesting and new game mode. But the, the coin requirements are going to keep a lot of people out of it. I think you're absolutely right. So, so, and and here is the wet blanket of all of it. I think I think Sabiker hit it on the head. Um, a lot of people have complained over the last year that we've been in the Discord that ladder after a while starts to feel like a grind. Um, this is not going to help that situation. Ladder is going to feel more and more like you are there solely to farm gold to have fun in brawl, right? Like that's the the whole purpose of of ladder has stopped being some point the reason to play stormbound it is now the reason to you you play ladder to get gold so that you can play stormbound 2.0 thank you cat loader i thought that was <laughs> very as well as just like these changes like with rogue sheet like to me that had to be like an entire month's worth of testing for them honestly like things like that are the reason why i continue playing like crazy is because Every once in a while, they'll do something that just takes literally months to to figure out and continue playing while they're 
queuing up all the other things that are up in their pockets. So this is this is going to be good for quite a while. I, I think this will fix me until the, their next big stuff. <laughs> <laughs> well, the one thing the one thing I request is because this really is now like a true new game mode. We should get some new background music to. to for it to make it feel like new and fresh you know what i mean not the same as the latter music i was thinking something along like no i'm sorry that sounds Zelda references. familiar yeah yeah we'll, we'll ask about it and we'll, then maybe that'll be the 10th card that you can choose <laughs> <laughs> can i get the zelda music for my next dungeon run <laughs> all right so uh uh uh, uh Thomas, give me the first of these new victory bonuses. Let's talk about Maybe, maybe group the first handful, right? Because they're all oh, sure. related. Yeah, okay. Let's go for the first uh, f- five-ish. The first five-ish. So the first one that you can choose is refilling a heart uh, or all the hearts um, uh, for all the ones that you've lost up to that point. Um so that that way you don't get reset. So technically that's two separate cards. There's one for for a single heart. Uh, Another card that you can get is for refilling all your hearts. So those are the first two of our nine. Seems good. Yeah, uh, especially the all all the hearts. I guess I need to pause for a split second before continuing on. That one is going to give me a little bit of anxiety when I'm on milestone nine and oh wait no maybe i should wait to the end to the resource bonuses yeah i'll wait to the end (laughs) (laughs) so uh the next one that we have is the uh the rusty slot uh and this one will grant the player an extra heart slot up to five heart slots in total unfortunately if the player loses a life from the slot then the slot gets destroyed it also destroys itself on the milestone reset but wait, you can get Solidify being the next card, which is it will make one of the player's rusty slots indestructible. From there on, throughout the rest of the entire brawl, it behaves like one of the default slots. So you can go ahead and lock that extra heart that you have. Ooh. Sure, no longer destroys itself on the milestone reset. You can get up to a total of five in this fashion, up to five total hearts. So back over to that lives up bonus, you can get up to four hearts repaired with a single card at that point, which will feel really good. That feels very, very good. All right, moving on from there. On to the uh, ice armor. So picking this one, uh, we'll give an ice armor to the first full heart. After the loss, the ice armor gets destroyed while keeping the heart beneath it intact. I don't know for sure, but I feel like if you got the Rusty Heart, you could put the Ice Armor over that and just keep it safe until you can get the Solidify card bonus. I don't smart. Yep, but don't uh, quote me on that one. I, uh, I do hope that's the way the interaction works there, yeah. Agreed. Otherwise, why would you ever choose it over the Rusty slot, right? When you get your, your fifth one total, then f- you can choose the Ice Armor and you've effectively got um, six, six total losses that you can take. Also, the rusty slot destroys itself on milestone reset. I interpret that as when you get up to the next milestone, it'll go away. Uh, you don't think ice armor does the same? Interesting. Okay. Yeah, it doesn't say that it does. I yeah. just assumed that it did. Nope. Ice armor looks like it is a permanent protection for your first full heart. Correct. Nice. And also, oh, it's like stackable, that. right? Like you can you can keep jamming them oh, up yeah. and get more True. than one armored up, right? Yeah. Can it I doesn't ice say armor anything about the last armor? one? <laughs> 
So yeah, all, of, all of those are around manipulating your number of losses, essentially, that you're allowed. Mm-hmm. Yep, exactly. It's nice that that's basically half of the rewards you know, that, that are allowing you to make sure that, you know, other than solidify, hopefully solidify is not there as an option unless you have a rusty slot. Um, but other than other than solidify, they're all, they're all really there around making sure that you have extra losses available to you. You have quote unquote healing available to you as you make your way through the, the brawl. Exactly. So these are all the, the main ones with, yeah, this uh, loss counter manipulation. Um, and overall, just reading through them, um, obviously it'll take testing after the new brawl comes out, but my gut feel says that this completely counteracts the, the losses. So while these in itself don't fix the original issue with losses being put in place, the things that I don't know which one of you two want to uh, take over for the rest of them will get us from that previous existence before the loss counter existed to, oh, wow, Brawl is now just straight up better. So why don't we go ahead and carry on? Well, let me talk about the the manipulation of the loss counter for a moment, because what this does is it doesn't totally mitigate it. It just puts it in the hands of the random rewards. Um, So you do have to kind of offset the other rewards you can pick with getting this. So it's a decision you have to make. And maybe you say to yourself, you know what, that's fine. I've got another reward. I don't really care about getting a rusty slot because I'm not trying to go much deeper or whatever. But the, um, but that's what I'm saying is that like so these ones like they don't completely offset um, the lost counter existence. Uh, I have a feeling that you'll win enough that these benefits can fix enough of your yeah. your losses that it's an almost equal to equal. It, it's still slightly worse than what it existed before uh, the loss counter existed. But what I'm yeah. saying is the, the later on stuff is is where we suddenly get pushed above I, the existing. Yeah, I think this is also interesting because it does make it a little bit random. Do I get the life up bonus? Do I get the ice armor? I'm already at two losses. You know, I only have one heart left. It, it makes it just a little bit of tension. And occasionally you will lose because you're essentially because your RNG is bad and you didn't get offered the loss counter manipulation you really needed. Yeah, but in general, I feel like yeah. the goal of these four is to reduce your anxiety. But not, right? yeah, reduce, but not completely remove. That's that's all Correct. the point I want Correct. to make. It, well, it, it right, can still exactly. get you. And it can especially get you if you're greedy with picking up the other resources, which, as uh, Thomas pointed out many times, we should go toward already because we're already well into this episode. <laughs> sure, yeah. But my, my point is just like the, our anxiety level of playing Brawl is now lower. That's great. So now the question is, why are we playing Brawl? What what benefits are we going to get out of it aside from the rewards? we're already familiar with so sabaiku fortress up bonus talk to me yeah so this is a reward where you increase your fortress level of your of your base by one within the current brawl difficulty only for brawl matches it doesn't work on ladder it doesn't dang it and it does not go beyond the cap for that brawl already so if your base health 18 playing in the ultimate brawl you can get this to uh artificially temporarily increase your base health to 19 or to 20 and that puts you on a little bit more of an even footing you will not draw this bonus if you're already capped so uh if if you're already base health 20 you'll basically never see this 
my question is, Thomas, do you think Reckless will ever accept <laughs> this? Like, when it's offered, do you think he he looks at it and is, like, offended personally, <laughs> like, attacked? Uh, uh, probably. He just... <laughs> I think the only time he takes it is when the other option is a life up bonus, but he's like, I haven't lost yet. I haven't lost right. any hearts. I guess I have to take this. Why, why would I take that? Yeah. <laughs> uh, hopefully also you don't get the life up bonus if you're already max max life you know i i hope that they they are able to uh program that intelligently so it doesn't offer you rewards you can't use agreed uh and then the final one the one that we've been really alluding to and we should have started with resource bonuses (laughs) if you pick this bonus you just automatically get a certain amount of resources it varies depending on your brawl difficulty and depending on the milestone so earlier in the brawl you get fewer coins rubies or fusion stones but it maxes out at 500 coins in the ultimate brawl 250 in the warrior brawl or 100 coins in casual brawl uh this is the price of admission for the game so in theory you can earn back what you spent on that game by getting a victory uh that makes it a lot easier to go deep if you could reliably get a coin bonus Mm. A ruby bonus, you can get up to 100 rubies in ultimate, 50 rubies in warrior, and 25 rubies in casual. I assume it's much less at the lower milestones. I assume it's commensurate with the rewards from the milestones. Uh, And I assume that because you can only get these from milestone three onwards. So you can't just sit there at the first milestone and... uh, try to try to accumulate rubies you got to actually progress in the brawl and same with fusion zones from milestone five onwards milestone five in the ultimate brawl is 10 fusion stones um so that's that's where if you're a little bit lower level it's a nice place to stop now you have a reason to keep going because you can get more fusion stones up to 25 in the ultimate brawl 10 in warrior and three in casual so that's a lot so, there. Thomas, talk to me about it. That's absurd. That is a lot of rewards. So at the 500 coins on milestone 9 to milestone 10, is it, it pays for that game. So if you are a game in uh, into milestone 9 and you already have all your hearts that you need and the, the coin option comes up and you choose that one, you literally just got a free win out of it to continue moving forward without spending any extra resources. Going into the rubies, that's even more ridiculous. If you've got the options between the coins and the rubies, you just take the rubies because 100 rubies is equivalent to 1,000 coins when you do that conversion in that conversion screen. So you can potentially get two free games in the ultimate brawl um, by choosing that ruby card. And then, ah, yes, the fusion stones. 25 fusion stones for 500 coins is a great return on investment. I'm going to have to do the math at some point, but you might, if you've got a ridiculous amount of coins to set on, you might just keep farming uh, at that last milestone. I know as a joke a little while back, there had been a few people up in the milestone uh, 10 of ultimate and just to one up each other they'd play past milestone 10 even though there's no extra rewards just to <laughs> just to show up one each other and people might still honestly be doing that just for those extra 25 fusion stones per 20 per 500 coins right so 25 well, fusion stones is worth depending on your ratio somewhere around a couple 
thousand coins. So now, if this only shows up once every four games, every, once every four wins, I should say, then it's a break even. But I mean, it could definitely be coming more quickly than that. If you're if you're doing well in the brawl, you don't need the life up. You don't get the fortress up offered to you. You're either getting free coins so you can keep going, rubies so you can keep going, or fusion stones, which is the ultimate goal, right? 100%. So yeah, you can just kind of keep going until you eventually run out of resources or until everyone else catches up to you and you your win rate just uh, drastically drops. So this is going to really, really help people out with the, the resources, especially in the ultimate. Um, I mean, going over to even the just the, the casual, that's still... I'd have to do the math again to see how much you're spending on on your casual, but I want to say it is the 100 coins uh, from Milestone 9, isn't it? Yep. So it's still the same yeah. ratio. I, I want to point out to everyone listening that the first five or six rewards are all, for lack of a better term, permanent. You, you get those for a while, at least. It's not just like, oh, for the next game, you've got ice armor or whatever. Uh, these are a one-time thing. You pick these, you get the reward right away, but it's not like forevermore you're going to continually earn additional gold or additional rubies or additional fusion stones. It's just right now. Do you want some? Yeah, it's just, just a free reward for getting a win. Like, yeah, you're, hey, you're awesome. You want 25 fusion stones? You got it, buddy. Uh, these are fantastic, though. Like they 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 are jaw droppingly good. They 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 take brawl from a well. I'm not sure if it's really worth going past thirty crowns, thirty five crowns, fifty crowns, maybe. Uh, this changes that dynamic completely. Yeah, it really does turn it into a how many coins do I have to get as far as I can to accumulate as many resources as I can, right? Because at at the end of the day, fusion zones allow you to really target a specific card that you want to upgrade, right? Coins and rubies are great for expanding your collection, um, you know, buying more packs, buying more noble books, making those upgrades. But you get to a point where really you need fusion zones for specific cards, and this lets you get there. Yeah, I, I, I actually don't know what you're talking about right now, because let me tell you about all of the, the spell packs I plan on buying so I can max out my Bladestorm. Uh, rubies are where it's at. That's all I need is rubies right now. Bladestorm, well, here I come. Well, there you go. An ultimate, I mean, theoretically, <laughs> if you could get that ruby pack every single time and you can get 10 wins in a row without choosing anything else, you'll get a thousand rubies oh. just from going from milestone <laughs> nine to milestone 10. Yeah. A Boom. thousand. I, I, I've got to at least hit two Bladestorms, right? <laughs> Maybe three? Seems reasonable. Yeah, I don't know so. with your luck. <laughs> right. Well, there is that. Um, guys, this is, I, I mean, we, we said it at the beginning of the episode and, and I, I stand by it. I think this is the biggest change to the game in the entire time that I've played it. Sabaiku? Yeah, it's going to be real fun to mess around now, with this. Now, now, Thomas, you've played longer than us. I have, yes. So this is, to me, as big of a change as the uh, introduction of Brawl. That was that was kind of a mind-blowing point in time. Uh, but I think this is pretty much right at that level where there's so much change to the game, um, as you were alluding to earlier, that this is this is at that level. All right, a couple of housekeeping things. Um, the July 29th, uh, uh, and only the July 29th, 
uh, Brawl, uh, the one that starts that, uh, will be uh, cheaper. All fights will be 10% off. Owners, now, owners of... Oh, go ahead. That, that's a good point. That uh, this, this Brawl starts, this patch actually hits before the season reset. Because the brawl starts a couple of days before the end of the month. So we will actually be reaping the benefits of this patch before the balance changes take place. Oh, baby. Um, yeah, so the, the brawl will be cheaper. We will get to try out this new sort of dungeon run style run through the brawl. Um, 10% reduction is pretty darn good if you're a premium pass holder. That's a 20% reduction, which is, it turns out, twice as good. Uh uh, there's also been some complaints about the brawl experience lately. We alluded to that for sure. We flat yep. out said that for sure. <laughs> yep. uh, Sheepyard has uh, um, responded by saying, hey, um, listen, we, we're sorry about that. Uh, log in um, before the end of the 29th of July and you will get 500 coins. So that should make you whole on whatever it is you spent on the brawl. Uh, so for all of our listeners out there, um, hopefully you're listening to this tomorrow, which would be... The 27th uh just log on sometime before the 29th you're in good shape bro and oh. there's one more note on the brawl oh the first milestone is no longer 10 crowns it is seven crowns and uh, it, i would guess the reason for that is that is one win and two losses so your third loss will get you to the or your second loss will get you to the milestone you cannot just like get a win get a victory reward and then concede back down to zero if you win even one game you're going to get to the first milestone on every level <laughs> Interesting. i like that <laughs> i like that i think that's right also um that's basically what i would always do is i would um i would win a game concede two and then win a second game to to clear through because uh, i always wanted to start with a couple of um additional crowns such that a loss would push me over to the next uh milestone because uh, when you push to like 70, which is generally the, the limit that I would push to, uh, starting with two losses was about right for my win rate. I would I would hit the last loss normally at like 69 into 70 kind of a thing. Um, gosh, guys, I just... I, I, I just kind of want to take a step back for a second, and I know that this is a really long episode, um, but rightfully so. This is just such a huge change to our experience, to the way it's going to be uh, from now on. It, it's just, wow, is Brawl so interesting? Um, the one thing I do wish, this was actually mentioned by uh, one of our listeners, uh, and I think that they are right. And especially now, uh, I, I actually don't know if we've got this listed uh, uh, in our, um, our our listeners uh, section, so I'm gonna I'm gonna mention it now. I I, I hope they actually put the heroes uh, the, the heroes league uh, and the brawl leaderboards uh, keep them static the day after. So. On Monday, let us actually see who actually did the best on the brawl. It's it's kind of rough. Like you you push through the night, you try to do the best you can, and the next morning you're like, well, who did the best? And you can't find out anymore. Uh, and the same is true with Heroes League. Um, you 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 open up the game on the first of the month, and you're like, well, what what happened? Who won? And you have to go to Discord to find out, which is what you should be doing anyway. But um, with Brawl taking such a new center stage to the game, I hope that they choose to to keep the leaderboard up for Monday morning so that at least we can see who did the best. So uh, you guys can just you... see my name over and over and over again? Oh, cool, of course. <laughs> uh, uh, Sibaiku, your thoughts on Brawl? 
yeah, it's going to be a lot of fun. I'm really looking forward to it. And more importantly, I'm really excited to see where they go with it. And I know that that's not fair to say before we've even seen the product as it is now, but it really does just make you think about uh, the possibilities, the things that, that they could do with this going forward in another few months. Yeah, Thomas? Yeah, I'm already happy enough with where it is. Uh, this is going to be extremely exciting and uh thankfully with the strike that i was on for the last two months i've got uh plenty of coins to uh hit milestone 10 and every single thing for the next couple months so i'm good to go <laughs> yeah i mean i'm looking at this like uh tesla suddenly drops a uh car with a jet engine and <laughs> and and two oddly conspicuous spots that look like they're meant to join up with wings <laughs> And they're just like, yeah, here you guys go play with this for a while and see what happens. And we're all looking at it going like, oh, this thing's going to fly. <laughs> like, that's what's happening right now. Is GPR's <laughs> like, yeah, here, try this. See what you guys think. And we're looking at it and we're going, bro, this thing is, this thing's ready for the moon. Um, <laughs> I'm stoked. This is so fantastic. Um, but I think it, this is time to start trying to wrap all this up. And I apologize to all of our listeners, but I hope you can hear in our voices how excited we are over all of this. This is insane. Uh, we were going to talk about a card of the week. Guys, this isn't the week to talk about a card of the week. This is the time to talk about the play mode of the week. The play mode of the week is Brawl. Go try it out. That's going to end the main portion of this episode, which reminds me. Uh, I should be reminding you uh, to please contact us, preferably in our channel in the Stormbound Discord server. You can also do it on Twitter at BroodSages. You can email us at thebroodsages at gmail.com. We also have an additional way for you to reach out and support us if you like. We have a Gumroad account where you can become patrons of our work. The link is on our Stormbound Kitty page. Uh, this week, we heard from Mr. P93, which holy smokes, like, wow, why, why are all the good players thinking they, they need to talk to us? We know nothing. Thank you so much, Mr. P93, for reaching out. You said, thanks, guys, for the Temple of Focus mention. That was an amazing deck. Really had a lot of fun with it last month. Well, I can imagine looking at it. Ubermensch dropped us a line saying, cultured, simple, red fans out there. That's correct. We are. Uh, Amalgamation was such a good brawl. Subaiku Ice Flakes is the best card Sheepyard added in the game. Dad Loader. Really? <laughs> yeah. I only said that because I've been thinking it's the only card I put resources, money into. And I thought I was the only one. And then to hear Subaiku say it, it just it blew my mind. Uh, that's going to do it for this episode. For Subaiku and Mr. Petri, I am Freeloader. We are the Brood Sages reminding you to please stay hydrated.